on the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry. I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. They were O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, oh Fitzgerald is coming back inside! Leicester have another! Darcy O'Driscoll through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, step and score! Ireland head into the final weekend of the Six Nations with their title hopes still alive after a record win in Twickenham over the weekend. But even though they beat England pretty comprehensively, not everyone has been completely happy with the performance. Luke Fitzgerald here with me as always and will be joined in a little bit later by Alex Corbusiero, former England prop, to discuss all the talking points in the game. But Luke, for you, I suppose, it, obviously, record win sounds good on paper, but it's been an interesting reaction. Like, you know, even watching RT after the game, Eddie O'Sullivan, was insisting he was not drinking the Kool-Aid after the performance, uh, that he, he was a bit unhappy. And I think a few other people have been kind of similarly critical. Um, yeah, look, and I think the team will be too. I mean, look, they'll be delighted they got a win over in Twickenham and it puts them in a great position uh, coming into this weekend. If England can do them a favour, that's obviously a big if. But um, yeah, they just haven't really fired yet. I think we've seen kind of, there was patches in that. I mean, that last eight minutes is what we, I think that's what we were kind of were expecting from Ireland. And they did kind of, um, I think they they showed they were, they put themselves in, uh, in positions to go and execute that kind of game plan earlier on uh, and throughout periods during the game they just didn't do that. I mean the handling errors. I think it was nineteen handling errors through the game. You just can't do that. So, um, you know I think there's 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 growth there for them. I think if there's what I did like is that they seem to be you know their decision making was still I thought excellent up to a point they were finding they were they were finding that place in the middle of the pitch that's really hard to get to they did it consistently and they were making half breaks in there and I thought the offloading and the uh the, their, their decision to offload in there I just I thought on, on so many occasions was just wrong you know it's okay to have a small gain in there hang on to the ball when you've got momentum or you're on a half break and you know oftentimes when you're playing with 15 brilliant you know international rugby players the next phase will also you know bring momentum if, if the previous phase has had it so i just think there's a little bit of growth to be had there i think disappointingly i think it's probably what we've seen the last two weekends and that's probably why there's been a bit of a mood of reaction uh, to what was you know look a record win in Twickenham. Um, so, yeah, look, hopefully they, they, they can kind of turn it on against Scotland uh, this week. Uh, I think, as I said, the shape is there. The, the plan is in place. It's just about going and executing that for kind of a large portion of the game versus, you know, in five minutes here, five minutes there. Uh, and I think this team is capable of doing that. 
it's funny who would have thought a few, like you know a year ago two years ago that we'd be maybe saying Ireland are offloading the ball too much you know it used to be the exact opposite that there would, there would barely be an I offload I might have said that Will just sometimes it's okay to retain the ball like what I thought was really good against uh, England was they really did improve that rook quality versus the the Italian game that was an awful lot better throughout the match I thought they really targeted that and they were excellent there but you know, it's the off offloading is fine, but you have to really be on char in, in charge of that contact area. I wouldn't be risking it. I think it's, I think it's kind of almost a little bit disrespectful at times. Um, you know, to you know, at, at international level, to be trying to throw some of those ones that they threw in the weekend, you just have to realize you're playing against brilliant players. Like they'll end up in passing channels, they'll have active hands when they're in the tackle, uh, and they'll be knocking that ball out or they'll be knocking it loose. Um, and you just have to respect that a little bit more sometimes, I think. And, and that's the that's the growth for me in this Ireland team because if they can do that, um, and they're a little bit more accurate in that area, um, I, I think their 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 shape and the the where they're getting the ball to, um, I think they'll put themselves in a great position. I think we'll see lots of tries from this team. And um, I think the, the style of play, I've repeated this a lot, I think, but it's worth reiterating, it really suits. The, the, the personnel that we have, doesn't it? I mean, I think we look really fit. I mean, the longer the phases went on, I thought the stronger this Irish team looked. Yeah, and the, and the guys who came off the bench as well. Oh, like brilliant. Cohen, that, that was a big turnaround, wasn't Henshaw. it, I actually thought? Yeah, uh, played really, really well. Like, the two guys, Conan and Henshaw, who will probably end up starting this weekend off the back of that, you know, kind of influential kind of last 10, 15 minutes where they really punched a lot of holes, the two of them. And actually, I thought the front row who came on were very good as well. I actually thought they yeah, were pairing very good as well. I thought probably one of his, you know, regardless Ireland. of who scores tries and that, I you know, I thought Beelan was good, Kilcoyne was good, Herring was good. They, they all made a big impact. The whole of Ireland's bench that came on, Murray, Murray I thought Murray was brilliant. Yeah, and it wasn't he? It's funny, he Should was the perfect like guy him. to come on in that scenario, wasn't he? Like, so like an experienced head, kicked brilliantly, his he passed superbly. Um, you know, it just shows he is capable of playing that fast game and not kind of overthinking things when he's at that base. Like he can do that, and he was. Br I thought Murray was outstanding when he came on, um, and really settled the ship. So there's plenty of oh, 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 to, to to be positive about that. To be honest with you, that's probably the most positive things. And I thought the bench were brilliant, and they were kind of had struggled the last couple of games to really make an impact of things. So that was great. Well, good on them because it's a difficult job on the bench. Yeah, and the bench impact was one of the many talking points that we'll discuss with Alex Corbusiero, who we're delighted to welcome back to the show. Alex, thanks so much for joining us. Great to be here. Uh, congrats on the win on the weekend. Ah, uh, that's very gracious of you. That must have been hard. <laughs> it, was, mate, it was a tough game to watch. I, I, I favoured Ireland slightly in the game uh, coming in just because of the way they were playing at the moment. But I knew England were going to raise the intensity just because of what was at stake, the rivalry at home. So I was like, if Ireland are going to beat England, England will take some lumps out of them, especially in the forwards with that pack when I was looking before the game. And, and we saw patches of it, but I think Ireland deserved the win. The red card made it hard for England, but it didn't, it, it didn't really affect some of the key issues of what's going on for England in attack. I think that's where England have to improve, but I think Ireland are a bit more of a complete side and, and it's hard not to like the way they play, mate. They're, they're, they're playing some really good rugby at the moment. Yeah, we're, we'd like to have you on this week because I think the scrum was the big issue in the game. And, and I think you're yeah. probably the foremost expert, I'd say, in the, in the world almost uh, when it comes to I'll, these issues. I'll try you know, and do it justice. Yeah, it was, yeah, a, like, it, was so, a, it was a good contest. So carry on. Yeah, I was going to say, well, like, what, what, what were you seeing there? Because like we, we can start there and maybe move on to some of the other issues. But it, that was it, was, it, was, it was a fascinating exchange. And if you compare it to the last year, it, it's so different. So last year... Ireland boxed England up a little bit at the scrum time. One, they had their better front row out, but also England last year wanted a bigger gap. They had a slightly different scrum style and they wanted a bigger gap, a hit and chase, 
put pressure. Ireland wanted to crowd them, take away their space, put a little bit of weight on the bind. When they had those results, Ireland came out of the better last year. This year, England have a different scrum set up. They just embrace the small gap and the and the like both teams looking to pre-engage and bind a bit. And I honestly felt Jamie George just had uh, Sheehan on toast on those engages. I think there's technical things like Kean, if you look, his his left foot, he he chose not to move it on the bind. And I think that was because they wanted to have strong pressure on the bind. But because the gap was so close and he wasn't getting that extension on the hit, he's constantly, if you look after the engage. His left leg, like pretty much all the studs are in the ground. You can't push like that, as Alou said. You can only hold. So we'd have to adjust it back to try and go forward again. And because England had taken the momentum, Ireland just couldn't recover. I think um, if you'd had Kelleher and Porter, it would have been a, a proper scrap where both guys would have gone on it. Because I think Porter's technique at the moment and just his mammoth strength is making him one of the best loose heads in the world. Kean is a legend and been top of the game for so long. He's someone I looked up to. He was breaking international before I even played. And the fact he's still going now, especially with the wear and tear on his body, it blows my mind and it's inspiring. But I think Porter and, and Kelleher don't get uh, as schooled up on the bind there. And then you just get a proper contest. The other thing that I think was affecting Ireland's scrum from watching it is Doris at eight. He's not always playing eight. Well, a lot of the time, the best scrums are with Conan at eight. He did the Lions, the Leinster, the Ireland engage, that big snap that they get. It's usually Conan at eight. And I, I even feel like in the France game, when I watched it back and Doris goes to eight in that game, Ireland lost a little oomph in their scrum. I think that affected it a little bit too. And in that France game, I thought you saw a bit of a drop off in Ireland once uh, Kelleher went off and, and Sheehan's in there. He's an amazing player. What a talent but he's probably just a little bit new to the scene and the dark arts in those tight exchanges where we're talking about tiny little technical differences, which gives one team the engage. And these teams are both so good that whoever got that engaged then was able to usually control it. And I think England, you could argue about wheeling or things afterwards, but if you're going forward in rugby and you get that momentum on the engage, you kind of give yourself the right to, to do that stuff. So for Ireland, for me, they had to shut... England down on that hit and chase. And I just don't think they could do it, especially when Sinclair was on as well on that loose head side. He has such a good hit and chase on him. Um, and Kean getting in those bad shapes just wasn't giving him a chance to meet them and have a have a proper slug out on some of those scrums. And, that, and that's why you saw a lot of what was going on, in my opinion. That was awesome. Because <laughs> I, I really was, it, it is really difficult to understand what, what's going on there. I, I was sent a video by a, uh, an, an ex, um, uh, well, an ex pro. Now he was a forward. He was a back rower, but he was showing me. He 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 was asking me about it after the weekend. I was like, you know more about this than me, to be honest. But he did send me a video. He actually looked back at the game and sent me a video today. Can I ask you a question? They looked like they were taking the English front row, and it was really subtle. A slight step, a really small step in unison, just to the left, just before they were almost getting set. Is that something that is, is that a does that happen yeah. or am I just completely... No, no, 100%. Teams do that all the time. Some teams really? step right, some teams step left. It depends what you're trying to get. Like, uh, England was shearing a lot with, like, as they got the forward momentum, it was Genja's side coming up and shearing and then Sinclair kind of follows through and George takes him with him. And so if you think about it, if you step to the left just before the crouch, you're kind of giving you're just giving yourself a slightly better angle to achieve that. So it's not like Sinclair's in the gap and he's aiming across. He's just going to be a couple inches more left. The hook is a couple inches more left. Uh, Genge is a little bit more left. And what's that doing is as they get that forward momentum, it's allowing him to go with that sort of loose head shear and forward. And I think that's absolutely legal in rugby. 
where Ireland let themselves down is on the, the crouch to bind a set. If they get that how they did against France, and they, if you watch the extension and the hits they get in v France and compare it to what they were getting against England, to me, it's a clear engage, uh, engagement malfunction, which put them in a bad position. They will fix that. It's not make or break. I think England just boxed them up. Jamie George is really good at that. Like Saracen's like a closer gap. He's he, he's black belt in that position there. And I think um, Sheehan's just still new to that arena. And if you just look at the way he's coming through the middle and bringing his props with him, England just were boxing a little bit clever and having a tag. And, and those guys, he couldn't really change what was going on because they weren't able to fix that engage. Yeah, Alex, how vital is the hooker in the scrum? Obviously, we focus so much on the props. But as you mentioned there, Jamie George, kind of a wily veteran, Dan Sheehan, so good in the loose, even for that opening try with James Lowe got on the end of, yeah. you know, he had the ball back inside. But scrumaging is probably a, something he's still, as you say, relatively new to. But how, how vital is the hooker in the actual scrum and the success of it? The hooker is massive. And I would say with the new break foot rule in the Six Nations, the hooker is more important. And that's where I think Jamie was really getting the better is understanding how to use that break foot because uh, Sheehan is quite tall and that break foot really makes it harder for taller hookers to keep their height down. With Alex, can I ask you for the, for the people who don't know the break foot, is that the, is that the foot that's kind of the, your front foot? The hooker's right you? foot. Yeah. The hooker's right foot. Right and, foot that's, and, okay. And that's holding the weight on the crouch. Okay, yeah. Previously before you could pull that foot all the way back to pretty much parallel and you'd be loaded. A lot of times your head would be on and then you just snap in as an eight. Now with the break foot, the hook is allowed to move it a little bit back just because for safety reasons, you can't tell them just to keep it there because your hamstring is put in a ridiculous position otherwise. So you're allowed to move it a little bit back, but it just means for taller hookers to get that height down and get that snap. It's just a little bit more of a technical adjustment and time. I only know it because they brought the break foot into the MLR and I had to coach it really quickly with our hookers and we have a tall hooker and it it seems like Sheehan's in that same transition that I don't know if you know Sean McNulty that we've been working with yes. um, as player, well. Yeah. Sim- similar size kind of guys. And and, and it, that's what I felt is Jamie's just better at that. Hmm. So, Luke, we got the, the good technical breakdown of the scrum issues there. But in terms of what it meant for the game, like six penalties at the scrum, like that was the, that was probably when I was watching back today, that, that was the real key area where England got that purchase in the game after, you know, I think 10... 12 minutes in, Ireland looked like you were in a very strong position. That, that second try was then disallowed. Like, so, Luke, what, what do you think that scrum dominance ultimately did for it, England? Like, is that what you, what you looked at and thought that's, that gave them their entry? Yeah, I think it's, it's, um, it's still such an important part of the game. Um, it became even more important when Ireland's, you know, because we looked at uh, the amount of handling errors. Ireland had something like 19 handling errors in the game. So we hit loads of scrums um, and it's just, it's absolutely key. It puts massive pressure on you all the way through the game. It gives the, also gives the English pack a massive lift. Uh, you know, they were, they were packing and yesterday they were bringing in uh, Jack Noel, but you know, it was basically seven real forwards and, yeah. and a light guy with, with, which probably wasn't providing much technique or, or, or weight behind. So, I mean, it was, it was a massive swing in the game. Um, and I think England were, I thought they were brilliant there. Look, I think it was interesting to hear those different opinions from, from different people. I heard Alan Quinlan this morning, who's obviously a back rower, so he won't have Alex's, uh, you know, in-depth knowledge of the area, but he'd have a very good knowledge still of, you know, he was in a fairly gnarly monster pack. He didn't think there was probably as many penalties as probably should have gone against Ireland. Um, you know, to be honest with you, and again, as a winger here, 
you know, I think I do get Alex's point. Like if there is momentum, like the referees are going to, that's what they're going to ref. Like, so if there is momentum there um, you know, and you don't manage to sway it or change that throughout the game, he's just going to keep pinging you. That's, and I, and I have to say, because it's so complex in there, I think, you know, if you are in doubt as a referee, that that is how you're going to do, that is how you're going to ref that area. So on balance, I would say, you know, yes, hopefully Ireland get that fixed. It's good to hear Alex saying that it's it's probably just one little thing or maybe a couple of things, but one key thing really um, that, that might be able, you know, that'll hopefully settle Ireland's scrum down for a match next week against Scotland. Um, but I think on the weekend, look, England definitely had superiority there and the referee ref it as so. So look, yeah. still a massive part of the game. So we just really appreciate those props even more, I think. And obviously our hookers now, uh, having spoken to, to Alex. Yeah, I, I call I it the, sorry yeah. to interrupt. I call it like, I agree yeah. with you. I call the scrum, like when you get dominance like that, it's a leveler of the game. Like it erases some of the mismatches elsewhere. Because if you look at that game, Arden have way more possession, way more territory, way more time on the ball. But all of a sudden, five or six scrum penalties, that's either points on the board or it's five entries into the 22 that you wouldn't have got. It's meters up the field. It levels the playing field where England are getting beaten against Ireland. It allows them to close the gap because they're getting free entries, free yards. And then I think as well with the referee, once that momentum's going and you're away from home and you've got a Twickenham crowd that have not many things to cheer from, but the scrum, kick chase, everything. I think as a referee and you start hearing it build and it's going forward, it, 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 you're definitely going to get more penalties than you might have got if that game had been at the Aviva and some of those probably would have had a use it call or got it out and maybe not been a penalty. And so that's just the factor of rugby. And some people in Ireland could be frustrated with that, but it goes for and against you all the time in these games. And that's like the reality of the scrum. You can't really get it your way every time because of the refereeing and all the different mitigating factors that can control it. And, and, and I think... You know, it almost gave England an in to wrestle back a game that in a lot of ways they had no right to even be in considering who they were playing and the red card so early. Yeah, Luke, so overall, what's your assessment of how Ireland performed? It's, a, it's been a funny reaction and just, you know, reading some of the English press and watching the Irish coverage after the game, like Ireland had a record win in Twickenham, but it didn't really feel like that given how people were reacting. Ultimately, like, what did you find positive about the performance negative about the performance obviously it was the last 10 minutes when they put the game to bed and there was long periods where England looked like they could maybe even snatch an unlikely victory yeah look I think you know to be 15 all it was 72 minutes I mean that certainly was disappointing considering England were you know 64 minutes uh you know to that point with 14 men um I think what was a bit concerning was that there was we're still making the same mistakes that they made over in Paris and against, uh, and also against uh, Italy last week, where they played against 13 men, just overplaying a, a phase or two early. I think they didn't really wait for their opportunities uh, to, to strike well. Uh, again, lots of handling errors. I thought um, they, what, what was really encouraging is that the game plan around getting the ball and the decision making around the forward passing was brilliant. They were still able to find that little gap to playmake in the middle of the pitch, whereby what ended up happening a lot over the last three games for Ireland is that they actually found that little hole in the middle of the pitch and got a half break. Now, what they didn't do is recycle once they made it, once they got a small win, when there was any kind of doubt over whether they were going to get a clean offload away or whether the guy who was, who was the support runner was actually in space or whether there was a tackler right on him. They seemed to throw that pass no matter what. Sometimes it got scragged by the tackler. Sometimes the guy who was catching the ball got, hit just as he caught it and he knocked it on that's happening very regularly i think you know they, they were, i think they're doing brilliantly in terms of the shape and getting to that space that i'm talking about but 
what I do think they need to do is just calm down a little bit. I think when we, what we saw was that when Ireland put a lot of phases together, they put massive pressure on teams now. And you can see the ball playing ability from the forwards having an impact. They're getting to all these places very, very consistently. So positives that they were able to get there, positives that they got the bonus point in the end, because that's a really bloody, I mean, Twickenham such a difficult place to go and do that. And um, some negatives that are probably, remained from the last couple of weeks around just those decision-making and, and, and that the ball handling at key moments, because I think this team, you know, they're in a very good place, but that's the thing that's holding them back. That little bit of decision-making. I, I don't know what, what was your read on it, Alex? Anything uh, similar or something I different? I agree, Matt. I think Arlen's attack is leveled up now, like because the forwards, the ball movement, the shape, the quick, the, the attention to quick ruck speed, the recycling, that the shape that they're attacking with, it's far superior to what England are doing on the front foot at the moment. And so they created enough chances to probably be two or three tries ahead in that first half. They finished their first try down back down the short side. Great read coming down there like there was the Doris try. There's a couple of other miss offloads and this game is out of reach and England don't have a hope. I also think you've got to commend that they defended very well to not give up a try against England. The, 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 the entries, you know, Kean's little hand on the ball at the back of the mall. That is a massive pivotal moment because if England score there, they're ahead. The crowd rolls like it, it was a proper test match and I liked it. And I think for Ireland's point of view, like their set piece, they got dogged in the forwards, but they still found a way to win. And I think that's a lot of positives because some teams might have folded on that day. And this is a team which is right up there with the best in the competition. That France game, in my opinion, could have gone either way. Johnny Sexton's playing, maybe it's different, you know, whatever. So for me, they're, they're right up there in this competition. And it's because of the way they attack. Their defense is awesome. That They've got so many good aspects of their game. I thought their kicking game really shone through at times as well. Um, Conway's boot was was fantastic because England were playing that and that's a real strength of theirs with the team they have picked at the moment. There's a lot of kicking boots in that backside, uh, in that backfield. And I thought, you know, Ireland gave it well there too. I just think they got caught up in the, the pressure that England were putting on. And I think you've got to credit England's defence too. Like to be a man down and the line speed and some of the collisions they had, it was similar to France where if Ireland get quick ball all the time, they will score. They're just too good. Like they've got too much shape, too many options. Well, I thought when England were leathering them after again, after again, it, that's when that style of keeping possession for a long time and wanting to keep playing and playing eventually can come unstuck at times. A bit like it did in Paris. I thought England's physicality was a leveler for that, but it just they just need more an attack. They still haven't got that gear where they can weather these storms, get down to 22, take their shot and come away with points. Like they, they need to be able to do that to be in these games and their red zone conversion rate is so down in this tour, in this competition that it's very hard to win big games like that. Yeah, like Alex, if you take away the Italy game, I think England have scored two tries in the three games against Scotland, Wales and Ireland. And now, like, do you look at it and say, okay, they were had 14 men for the entire game, so we have to give the attack a pass? Or do you look at it and say, like they didn't really create a whole lot. Like that, that, that one Keen Healy moment you mentioned was probably their only sniff of a try, and they didn't really, yeah. like, you know, get anywhere near the line. Besides that, their best line breaks in attacking rugby to me was when they had a strong forward, uh, strong forward carries with a nice, uh, you know, bail out the back to to Marcus Smith, and then they got some purchase with some of their pace on the edge. They didn't really have much punch through the line. They're not creating line breaks. Out of that back of that, those forward bails with Marcus Smith, if you can get your Don Brandt's, your big carriers involved in creating threats. I think they just pose so much more. And that's what Ireland do, that two-layer 
waves and layer of attack is what England just have to get back to. And I, I don't know if they need another second playmaker out there or they just need a big ball carrier. Like, listen, I'm not a back and an attack coach. And so I don't know the absolute fix that's going to help them. But just as someone who watches a lot of rugby and analyzes it, they're just not quite firing that area. And that's probably the layer that they need. Like their defense has been good pretty much throughout the competition, even in the games they've lost. And, and then I think, you know, their set piece is always a weapon with an England pack. I think it would have been more dominant if Charlie Eels would stay on the field because you get an extra lock. So you're getting an extra bit more weight at the scrum and the mall D and the mall is going to be even better. They England managed to outbox Ireland with, with Jack Noll at seven, which at scrum time didn't really change much. But if you think about line out time and the mall, the difference of Charlie Eels or Jack Noll in there, it could have been a lot worse than those factors. But if they can't score the tries, like the, Teams are too good now. Like, you have to score tries in the Six Nations. France are so clinical. It's why they're probably going to win the Six Nations because they get a line break, they score. And that's really where they're just in that little bit of class above Ireland and then England are below Ireland in that factor for me as well. Yeah, Luke, it's interesting. Like England now seem to be where Ireland were, you know, at the start of the Andy Fowler reign where we were really searching for that kind of multi-layered attack that, that's been punching a lot of holes when it's been going well. So like, what, what did you make of how they, they played in that sense? Obviously, we, you know, we commended their, their scrum dominance and their spirit and their defence, but in just in terms of, the, you know, their use of the ball, what did you make of that? Look, I think it's probably difficult once you're, you're a man down and we probably are being a little bit harsh. I mean, I feel like a lot of my... When I was talking about England last week, I was thinking, um, you know, I, I feel like they probably haven't discovered how to play with Marcus Smith yet, really, as a team. Like, you can still see, you know, the, the kind of class that he brings and how he can open up, um, you know, a pitch for you. Um, but that's a big movement away from, you know, the the, the Farrell uh, era, you know, the, the last probably 10 years, really. Um, so I still think there's a bit of finding their feet. Um, and I think they're still probably discovering, you know, how they want to play with Marcus with how best to utilize him. Um, I think there's probably only one way to do that, and that's to let him loose. But to do that, you've got to have great shape. It was interesting to hear Alex talking about, you know, I think Slade probably gives you that extra ball handling ability. He's a lovely handler of the ball. But I feel like they really miss too laggy. I think he just oh. gives them when they're stuck. It's a game he, changer. Sorry, to oh, he just gives game you that changer. something extra, doesn't he? I also feel like look, they probably miss a bit of you know Vunapola, Vunapola, just a little bit. Um, you know, probably due to Ireland having so much possession um, and the pressure that we well not so much, but more possession uh, and the four team, and we probably didn't really get to see Genge, um, you know, or Sinclair or those guys, you know, or, or even um, to a certain extent George, you know, physically impose themselves in the tight exchanges. They just probably didn't get enough opportunities to do that. Um, but that's very important for this team if they don't have those. Like if if you look at where Ireland were and where they are where they are now. Yes, the ball at the back has been really good and the expansive game plan, yes, is, is is good to see and it does open up the pitch for them. But where Ireland have really grown, in my opinion, is the ball playing ability, the tip on passes to the forwards. Breaks, How many times do you see Ireland line make, breaks? It, it, like, the forwards are making lots of line breaks for Ireland and they're also getting over the game line. That makes things really simple for the guys at the back because when you get the ball, the defence are having to hold off because they have to respect those front door runners. England just aren't there yet. Um, I also feel from a kicking standpoint, they actually kicked brilliantly on the weekend, but I think they were forced into that high ball because they were down numbers. Generally speaking, when they have 15 on the pitch, I feel like that's something that they're still discovering. You know, England, to my mind, over the last 10 years, Farrell or Ford, whoever it is, they kick brilliantly. They're like, they always, when they're playing well, they're generally putting massive, like, the grubbers in behind from, from Farrell, uh, you know, kind of the, the high balls, the, the, everything that they do, I think is really, really accurate and well thought out there. 
that to my mind is a little bit behind where it was. So look, I think they're on a journey. I felt like I was, I was worried they were going to discover that, you know, you know, how they should be playing against Ireland and Twickenham. I still feel like England might be well positioned to bounce back and have, might have taken a little bit of confidence from that match against Ireland. I'm actually expecting a big performance from them in Paris. Um, and they're kind of, given the, the size that they have in the pack, I think they're actually well suited to go there, maybe nicking a win, maybe doing Ireland a favour. I, I wouldn't rule that out as, 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 a, as a possibility. I, I think Wales left a blueprint of what England need to do in Paris. Like disrupt, get into them, offset the rhythm and, you know, defend with everything you've got, line speed collisions. And there's chances against this French team. They're not, they are so good, but they're still young and not quite like got into their prime as a team either. And I think if you make the game uncomfortable for them, like Wales did, like England did to Ireland at times, that is the recipe for England in Paris is to disrupt, to get into them. But I agree, they've got to score tries in Paris to win. It'll be really hard to chip away threes against this French side and win because all of a sudden you go 30, 40 minutes, it's 9 nothing England. France will get one line break. DuPont will finish it with an offload back inside and it's 9-7 and England have emptied the tank and it's a two-point game. You know, that's the issue with the Frances is you have to score tries against them to beat them because they can cut you in a second and they're just so clinical. Yeah, and as you mentioned, Wales, the opportunity they had, like that Jonathan Davies dropped ball, kind of reminiscent of the Scotland game where, you know, just yeah. before half time, if, if a try is scored in either of those instances, you know, maybe France don't end up winning that game. Uh, what, what, have you made, what do you make of Eddie Jones at the moment, Alex? Like, you know, it's funny this, reading his quotes after the game. He was really spinning this as a very positive performance. Like, even though they ended up losing by a record margin to Ireland and Twickenham, he was making it sound like this is the cornerstone of the the rebirth of this team like I know he's obviously going to be talking it up given that he's now staring in the barrel of two very disappointing Six Nations finishes in a row but are you still confident that he has the team going in the right direction that this rebuild is on track I think we should stick with Eddie to the World Cup I don't think change or anything now is going to be for the benefit of the team or the program I think Eddie's very experienced I I, I just think do I, I, you know Eddie? He's going to spin it. He likes to deflect uh, any pressure in the media on his players with what he says. You know what I mean? And of course, they're going to ramp him up. He wanted a big response against Ireland. He talked about the physicality and they came out and they took lumps out of the Irish for 80 minutes and they made a game of it. So, of course, he's going to encourage that, big that up in his team because he's wanting them to go back to Paris with that same physicality to go to the French and try and take some lumps out of them because that's the only way you're going to have a chance of winning. So I think there's that factor. I, I think with Eddie, the hard part with Eddie and that team, I think it's just the turnover rate of coaches. Like there's there's so much chop and change that really in, this, in a four-year cycle, you want to get that continuity and time together. And I think that's what that England environment has suffered from a little bit. And, you know, with Marcus Smith coming in, Marcus Smith and Harry Randall is very different to the Six Nations last year, Ben Young's Owen Farrell. Like, and, and I agree with Luke that I just don't think England have quite clicked in their gear of how to attack with those players because the team and the DNA hasn't quite caught up to speed and, and and the game plan's not there. But once they crack that, there's so much positive that I, I can never hate on Eddie. Like he got England to a World Cup final. He's abrasive. He says some things that sometimes get people upset, but he's always thinking of his players and his team and what's best in mind. And, and I think it's hard to criticize or like call for someone, you know, to not be the guy when they have that mindset, the track record. And I think, you know, we're riding this cycle how it is. And then after that 23 World Cup, England have to have some big decisions of the coaching, the direction and where they want to go. 
I, can I ask you, Alex, because that's kind of an important point that we, I think we've probably been discussing when, when it comes to Eddie is the, the turnover rate in coaches. I mean, look, of course, look, leaving aside, you know, how, you know, damaging that can be just in terms of, you know, th- this current point in time where we're, we're judging this England team's performance. And, and it's certainly, there's no doubt in my mind that it's had a massive impact. Is that all down to him being kind of that abrasive? And I suppose, do you think that's kind of helpful at this point? Or do you think that's been, that's a reason why this England team is probably struggling, you know, 18 months out from a World Cup? Um, is that down to him? I don't know. Uh, that's the truth. So I'm just going to speculate. From, the, I, I, from what I hear, working under him is incredibly intense incredibly intense like he is on you he is he expects like militancy and your commitment your times your everything he's very uh direct blunt how he feels he'll say it like he's got no problem you know riding his staff to try what he feels is trying to get the best out of the environment whatever and so i think that's part of the reason of the turnover is the staff that are in there it's already international rugby's very high pressure job already and then being in that environment i think people burn out or they see a opportunity which they've done the credentials now and they get a club opportunity that's appealing to them and getting out of this intense environment might be the move i don't know for sure i'm speculating over bits i've heard so i can't like i can't give you any inside i, I think we've heard info, the same but thing that's actually, just my guess is that it's just He's just so intense that some people like last four years, some people last two or one. Like, but no one's really doing much more than that four with him. Yeah, but he's been. I think he's been an unbelievable addition to the Six Nations. I, I'm going to miss him when he when he finally yeah, does. I, I agree. I work in the media. Like Eddie, the quotes, the way that he backs his boys, the way he takes all the heat in the press. Like, there's so much to love about that guy that I think he brings a lot of, of, you know, positive attributes to the sport because we want this thing to be entertaining. We want to sell it, especially in America. I'm here trying to pr- promote the six nations grow, get people behind it. These characters, this, you know, tit for tat in the media that gets eyeballs on it and helps us grow the sport here. So I'm like all for Eddie and, and who he is. I never played under him, but I think I would have liked it. Hmm. No, it's certainly an interesting character. Luke, just to go back to Ireland, I suppose, you know, four games into the campaign, just Scotland uh, last up. Obviously, we, we're mentioning that the title is still alive for Ireland, potentially, if, if, if as mentioned, England do them a favour. But, like, how successful the campaign has it been to date? Obviously, after the November series and the way the team played and won their games, there was just hope to see that style carry on over into it. You know, I know maybe before the England game, you were kind of saying that the campaign hadn't really kicked into life. And obviously, when it... England get a guy sent off in the first minute, you know, maybe there's a bit of an asterisk, but overall, like, has this been a, a good development campaign for the team looking ahead to that World Cup? Yeah, I think it has. I think we've seen enough from a few different bodies in there. I think we see Mac Hansen being, you know, impactful in there. I think we've seen Sheehan kind of come uh, more to the fore. Obviously, you know, great for him to, to come up against someone like Jamie George. I don't think there's any Correct me if I'm wrong, Alex, but I don't think there's anyone who's as adept at scrummaging in that position as him in the in world rugby. I think, um, so that's a big challenge. He'll learn a lot from that. Um, you know, I think probably you know Joey Carberry. I think over in Paris ha- had a pretty good showing. That's very positive from an Irish standpoint. It doesn't get too much harder than than this French team currently and and a match away in Paris. And I think he showed that you know if Johnny Sexton does go down, there is someone there to to fill the void. Even though I think he was a little bit disappointing the week after. Probably say that was more of a team issue than just him, though, uh, as is usually the case with the, with your kind of playmakers. Um, so, yeah, there's been a few kind of key things that we've discovered. And I think we do have depth across everywhere else in the pitch. Uh, possibly the, the, the you know, props maybe at, at this point is something that, you know, might be worth looking at. I think, you know, Keen Healy is, you know, he's been unbelievable. 
Um, but you know, like that 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 World Cup, he's he's seen so much rugby. That World Cup is eighteen months away. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how how people kind of survive over this period and how they how they kind of shape up coming into the World Cup. Um, you know, because Kilcoin is a similar age to him as well. So look, I think. There, there was probably a few areas that we're kind of saying maybe we knew we knew that already. Um, but then there's a few areas where we didn't know, uh, you know, was Joey Carberry capable? Uh, you know, was Mac Hansen, you know, going to be able to, to fit the build? So there's, I think there's lots of things there that we'd be, we'd be happy with and we can say, yes, you know, they, they perform well. We discovered a few more things. In terms of the performances as a team, you know, I think um, I'm still a little bit disappointed. I'm still waiting for them to put together, uh, you know, 60, 70 minutes of, of, of dominance um, that I think they are capable of when they're playing well. Um, and to my mind, they haven't really fired yet. They've fired in kind of fits and starts. Um, and I think there's more to come from this team. Um, provided, like we took, I discussed what I, what I think that the issues are around the ball handling and the decision making. Um, provided they can continue to put themselves in, that, in, that, in those good positions, I think they will get that part right and they'll calm down and they'll be a bit more clinical. And I think we see this Irish team uh, continue to grow and I think be in a good position by, by World Cup time. Yeah, Alex, like, you know, in terms of having seen them across the campaign, you know, what's kind of stood out to you, you know, positive, negative, anything in particular that you found particularly interesting about watching Ireland play over the last couple of weeks? I, I think Ireland, I agree that it didn't quite maybe hit their attacking stride for like a full game, like that Leinster-like mentality that we, we, we're so used to of that sort of like seven, 60, 70 minutes of absolute dominance, possession, clinicalness. But the big thing that Luke touched on that I kind of agree is the depth in props. I, I think the, the issue for Ireland going to be is if something happens to tag Furlong, do you have another tight head that can start a big test? Like that has to be one of the first questions that Ireland need to get to be able to be successful at the World Cup. They need to make sure that the second choice tight head is test start ready. I think um, same thing with with uh, depth behind Lucid. Obviously, Kean. it's still a long way to go to that World Cup. He's a legend and a, I can't say enough positive things about the guy because I he inspires me when I watch him. Like I, he inspired me to to make it as a as a young kid uh, in into international rugby, and he's inspiring me now by the fact he's still going. So like he's pretty impressive, but it's still a long way to go. Wear and tear. Finding you know some depth in that front row to be able to 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 have depth to start big games come the World Cup is probably something. If I was Ireland, I'd be keeping my eye on as much as possible. And I think you know on a whole. This Six Nations is very competitive. All the teams are good. And the fact that Ireland have only lost to Paris uh, away from home, maybe with, you know, missing, a, missing Johnny and a few things, like, I think they're in a really good place. I think there's definite rooms to grow, but there's just such a clear direction of this team and how they want to play. The players are coming through. Like, some of the talent, like, Caelan Doris is such a player. Like, I, I love watching him play. The lines, like, talking about those, like, those ball handling and tips and the forwards, like, his lines there are just outstanding. Van der Flair is doing it at times as well. And obviously Conan's a great carrier, but I just think Kevin Doris is such a clever player, does everything on the field. Like, there's nothing he doesn't do well. Like, fantastic. And finding more and more of these players and building depth is probably the key for Ireland because they've got the game plan. They've got the identity. They just need to make sure that they're bulletproof for an injury or two for the big games for me. That's so. I just know that I, you put that so well compared to, compared to me, actually. <laughs> it's that, they're, <laughs> to my mind, uh, you know, they have the identities there. You know, the plan is there. We can see that, that that works. It's just delivering it. And that's probably a really good place for, for a team to be, as you say, with probably those two little bits around maybe some selections. That, that, that was a great way of putting it, really. Probably, exa- you know, in, in a line, what I wanted to say uh, <laughs> took me 20 to get there, though. 
Nah, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, so just looking ahead to, to the final weekend then, Alex, obviously like that, that France-England game provided Ireland do the business against Scotland. Like you mentioned that earlier, like this French team, as good as they've been in the last two Six Nations campaigns, they have had a bit of a blow-up, but, you know, twice against Scotland, you know, they, they've been defeated. <laughs> They lost to England last year as well. Like, do you think if England do maybe make a good start at the side of France, that the, the doubts will creep in? That you know, do we trust this French team fully? Maybe to, to you know to, to, to close if, the business out uh, next Saturday night? Do you think if they were on the road for this last game? Sorry, excuse me. <clears throat> if they were on the road for this last game, I'd be a little bit worried. Um, but back at home, I, I think they'll be all right because well, England's going to go after them in the pack, but that. That French pack is enormous. It's incredibly good. And they just got taught a little bit of a lesson and a bit of complacency there. So I think they'll be bang on it, especially watching what England did against Ireland. And I think that for me is England's way into the game is the forwards disrupting the set piece, getting a scrum penalty or two. That is going to be very, very hard to do against France. And I think and then the thing about France that you can't underestimate is how good their defense is. Like they, 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 they choke. They had all these issues against Wales. They didn't concede a point in the second half. Do you know what I mean? On a bad day at the office, they went and took lumps out of them and kept banging. Got the breakdown turnovers. I think they got the second most turnovers in the competition behind England. Like they're a legit team that has like that grit that I see in them. That it's going to be really hard to beat them. I think this last year there was a few wobbles, and I do think away from home they're still a little bit nervous and can get riled up by a crowd getting behind them and, a, and you know, a, a, an emotional performance from Scotland and Wales kind of, you know, catches them a little bit in their tracks. But I think at home with what's at stake and, and a home crowd, I, I think they're going to, I think they're going to be really hard to beat. Like I want to say England have a way in and, and I can see if they, they can score their tries, it's possible. But I just think France, like they have the massive pack, they have the defense, they have the kicking game. And they have the ball players and the finishers to cut you. It's more like how much of that can you disrupt to make it a, a game? And I, I and I think that's really hard for England to, to, for me to favor them or think like it's clear path to victory. I think if they bring their best game, of course they can win. But it's going to be a really, really complete performance for England to go win in Paris. Yeah, Luke, from what you were saying earlier, you, you maybe give them slightly more of a chance or you're slightly more confident that they maybe can produce an upset? Yeah, I just think their backs are against the wall a little bit now. I, I, I just... Like, it'd be such a disappointing Six Nations for England if they don't win. Like, it just looks really messy to me. Um, I think Eddie Jones gets them fired up for this one. I think um, they're probably one of the only, look, they're, bar Ireland, they're, one, they're the only team in the competition that, that could go away to Paris. And, yeah. you know, look, of course, as Alex alluded to, you have to play brilliantly over there. You, you know, you, you've got to play out of your skin. You've probably got to play, you know, almost to the max of your ability. And I think because England haven't, we haven't seen that in so long from this England team. Yes, they beat South Africa in November, but I don't think they've played well in quite a long period of time. I think this could be their Ireland against England last Six Nations. This could be that match over there where they get a massive lift away from home and they do finish the season, you know, the, the Six Nations season uh, on a high. There's just too much quality for me to not see them have a big performance. Whether that's enough difficult, uh, very, very difficult to say. Um, I just think, as I said earlier on, I'm basing that on them, you know, their backs being against the wall. They're, you know, look at Serena in the barrel of a very, very disappointing finish in the Six Nations if they don't get a win. And there's a lot of quality there. So um, I think they could do us a favour. I'm actually tipping them for, for, for a win. I think uh, if they can slow the game down, the avenue I kind of see them going is actually 
if they can hang on to the ball for long periods of time, I think France will give away penalties. They have a few guys there who are just still a little ill-disciplined. They can't help themselves uh, but have a nibble. And I think that defensive line speed, if you can hang on to the ball, I think they will give away penalties. I think they're right on the edge uh, in terms of the offside line all, all the time. Now, of course, you know, look, there's two sides to that. They've putting, they've been putting massive pressure on, on all the teams and they're fairly stingy in, in that respect in, in terms of the defence. But there's penalties there. So there is a way in for, for England to put pressure on them, I think. Um, just bloody difficult place to do it. Well, mm, said it was to be absolutely cracking final day to Six Nations. But for the moment, Luke, Alex, thanks so much for joining me. Oh, absolute pleasure thanks. for having me, guys. That's all we have time for on the left wing this week. We'll be back next week with another podcast reviewing the final round of Six Nations action. In the meantime, you can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye.